You don't need a high-end designer or a lot of money to get a luxe look. Be your own interior designer with big design, small budget. Here's your host, Betsy Helmuth. Last week, we started something new. I spotlighted one of my loyal listeners and solved her design dilemmas right on the air. And we're doing it again today. So many of you wonderful people wrote in telling me that you wanted me to devote an episode to you and your design dilemmas. And we are featuring today Roseanne. Roseanne's room is getting a transformation today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Betsy. I am thrilled beyond belief that you responded to my question. So thank you so much for having me today. Of course. Well, welcome to Big Design, Small Budget. I'm Betsy, as you know, and let's dive right in. Where are you calling from? So I'm calling from Winchester, Massachusetts. It's a little suburb, kind of northwest of Boston. And my home, um, I've been blessed with wonderful, wonderful parents, uh, Greek parents, and they gave me this beautiful, beautiful house. And it's a wonderful home, but it does have some challenges. And there are some awkward spaces that since we moved in two and a half years ago, I just haven't really been able to make my own. And so when I heard the call on that podcast that you you had a few weeks ago, I sat up and I said, I have to email Betsy because she can help me. So <laughs> there well, we are. I'm so glad that you did. Yeah, I'm trying something new because there's really nothing I love more than answering questions. I really love answering questions on the spot. So thankfully, you sent in some pictures ahead of time and your questions ahead of time. But if, if something comes up to you as we're working, don't hesitate. But yes, I had a quick question in your email. You had mentioned that they built this house. Yes, yes. So um, my parents actually, my mother had an uh, inheritance back in the mid-70s and bought this, what assumed like a little plot of land. Um, turns out it wasn't so little. And so they decided, um, since they have two daughters, they were going to build two houses. So there are two colonials side by side and one was for me and one was to be for my sister Um, but my sister has not returned to the Boston area so my parents live in one and I live in the other and so our front doors face each other and it's awesome and wonderful and challenging uh, to be that close to my parents but um, I wouldn't trade it for the world so I know my parents lived in the house before I actually moved in and so they had not really solved those design <laughs> dilemmas. So it was right. just, my mom was always sort of, well, it's this house is for you. So she kind of couldn't wait to turn it over. And she's. So they never uh, really committed to living here. That's exactly right. They yeah. never really did. So, you know, really it's been up to me as to how to finish the space. And it's still very much a blank slate in terms of design. Okay, great. And, and you've been here for about three years? Yeah, just about. We're okay. coming up on year three. And who makes up your family? You? I have myself, my husband, and my two daughters. They are five and seven. And, you know, we live our we live our lives in and around the house and in the neighborhood. And we live in this great little neighborhood. And their best friends are here. So I have a lot of kids coming in and out all the time. Fun. My house, my personal style, I'm probably more informal it does. The house has a, a typical kind of colonial style where you walk in the front entrance and on one side is the living room and one side is the dining room. And then you walk through the hallway in the back. There's the kitchen, a uh, half bath and a laundry room. And then the house is on a hill. Okay. And so on the, on the street side, 
we have this uh, above the two car garage is a giant, we call it the great room and it's down six steps and it's this enormous space, about 25 feet by 25 feet square. And we have big three picture windows along one wall. And then where you're in the main house in the kitchen, looking down, we have um, some large picture windows with a half round on top. Right, right. And then on that third wall is a fireplace. And so that's where the adults do most of their living. Uh We do use the dining room. We do eat in the kitchen. Um, And we've turned the living room into the play space. That's the playroom for the girls and their friends when they come over because it's just the most accessible. Um, It's close enough to everything that's going on, but it's not, you know, I'm not in their face all the time. So they do have a little bit of separation. Gotcha. Um, well, that's a little unconventional, turning that formal living room into the play area. But I understand in a neighborhood where you've kind of got a revolving door, it can mm-hmm. be nice to have those kids just be right near their toys. But let's dive in with this first question, because I think it had to do with the great room in terms of a coffee table. Yes. So we have, you know, the great room is this big space. And because we decided that the living room, we really wanted to give the girls their own dedicated space. And the great room was just so enormous. You know, we needed a place where we could just sit and relax and we could watch some TV. We do like to watch TV. We don't, it's really the only TV that we have in the house and the entertainment system. So my husband is a bit of an audiophile. So we have like giant black coffin speakers that has its pluses and its minuses. Mm -hmm. But early on, and when we first moved in, we were trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we thought, okay, a sectional really is going to be the way to go. And we're tall people. My husband is six foot two, I'm five foot nine. Mm -hmm. You know, we like to recline on the couch. And so, you know, we had when we first got married, we had one smaller couch, and it was just it was just very uncomfortable. You know, it was like one person could kind of sit there at a time. And so even right. though it just, it just what it didn't work for us personally. So we really wanted like a big, deep space where we could basically just live in there. If we wanted to take a nap, you could take a nap. If you want to watch TV, you can do that. If two people want to take a nap, you're golden. Well, here's um, the challenge I'm seeing though. So I love the idea of a sectional with a family. I love the idea with a family who loves to lounge, right? Even more important. Mm-hmm. And I myself, now that I have a space that's large enough for a sectional, can't imagine my life without one. Like there's no going back. Uh, But the concern I have here is that you almost have to choose, it appears, between watching the fireplace and watching the TV. And the window is behind the TV, which, you know, you're not supposed to stare at a light source when you're watching TV. So maybe you're only watching it at night when there's no sun. That's generally what we do. But then the other challenge is because of the way the house is oriented, that in the afternoon, all that light that comes in those windows streams in the opposite wall. The only other wall that we would have available to put the TV, it would be on that where the fireplace is. You can kind of see it in those photos. That is exactly what I'm looking at, actually. Now, one other thing, let's just um, keep it real, is in order to fix these glare problems, you could just get some window treatments. And I will (laughs) tell you, these windows are looking a little bit naked. You do have standard windows that are topped with a round in one scenario, a half round, which a lot Mm -hmm. of people do find challenging, but that doesn't mean it should be naked. So there are solutions. This is not okay. Uh, You need window treatments. But back to what I was saying before, I actually think that with this particular placement, 
I'm not sold on the sectional being here. I would rather you not have to choose. It's like Sophie's Choice choosing between this fireplace view or the TV view. What if the TV was on a diagonal over in the corner by the fireplace? Would that fit? I, it would It would fit. There's definitely space there. And that's how my parents had it, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so we, we played with that layout originally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the challenge that we had was with the audio equipment. So as I said, my husband is a bit of an audiophile yeah. and, you know, the speakers have to be situated in a very specific place. So we have the two, like the, you know, the four and a half, five feet tall coffin You can't speakers. miss them. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And then we, <laughs> we can't miss them. They're like your two <laughs> other children. I bet they're taller than your children. They are, in fact, <laughs> taller than my children. Yeah. Um, it, it looks like you have a couple roommates living in this space. With you. <laughs> we do. We do. And then there's also bookshelf speakers that are on either side of the couch that's one on one it's you know one's right behind that corner wedge and then one is to the side and I you know I've resisted many I resisted for a long time with the audio equipment and eventually he wore me down and we bought it and that moved with us from our old house and it it worked in our old house you know they were kind of concealed we had sort of like a, a natural place for them to be but here in this space it's just out in the open and you know, the way that in order to get optimal sound, you have to be, you know, everything has to sort of triangulate. And there wasn't an area for that to work with the TV in the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that you said, know- I'm not committed to it being just there. So if we had it in the corner, what would you do with the sectional? Would you I suggest would rotate turn the it sectional. to face it? That's right. So I would rotate the sectional so that the short arm is in front of the windows Mm-hmm. And I know it's partially blocking the window, but that is a okay. You have so many beautiful windows in the space that you're not going to mix miss that eight inches of window. Rotate it, and that way, also when I walk down your stairs, when I enter the room, I'm not looking at the back of your couch and the back of these speakers. Then I would be seeing kind of a gracious open living room. You could have much better feng shui by being able to see people coming and going rather than having your back to that main access entryway. And it would just feel a lot more open. And then I could enjoy the fireplace while I enjoy a movie. And if that means that I have to sacrifice a little bit of audio, I think it's worth the, you know, when you make that list, does anybody still do that where they have the pro and con list? Oh, I totally made a pro and con list when I, when we moved in, when we were deciding on whether or not we were going to do like a standard three seater and maybe, or maybe even two, three seaters in that space, we absolutely made a list. And, you know, really what it came down to was comfort and yeah. trying to find the right kind of sofa to suit our lifestyle that was going to be durable. Well, and you don't um, need a list for the sectional. Like this, the list is as weighted towards yes, as the list is weighted towards no in this particular instance, with no, that audio cannot dictate this layout. Those big speakers are controlling the usability of the space. And, you know, based on where your current sofa is, the problem with sectionals is that they cut spaces, right? It's like bringing in a couple extra walls into your space. So you want to make sure that you're not making this amazingly large room into a small living room, which you are. From another angle, the distance from where your booty is on the couch to where the TV is, is not that great. You're really making this room smaller by placing your TV and sofa there. 
and giving that excessively large walkway behind the sectional that's just unused space. So while I think it's nice to have compromise in a marriage, and while I totally understand going to bat for something and losing, I have a sound bar under my TV right now. And of course, when I moved into my house, I had everything sunk into the walls. I had them chip out the concrete. We had like a concrete plaster wall situation. Mm-hmm. I had to chip that out and put in a channel just so I wouldn't have to see any cords. Well, I didn't know my husband was getting a sound bar. He was gifted a sound bar. Uh, I'll never speak to that friend again. He was gifted a sound bar as a housewarming present. And now we have all these sound bar wires that unfortunately were not embedded into the wall with everything else. So I get it. I get visually compromising a space to keep your husband happy. But this is extreme. This is really compromising the usage of the entire room. Now, you know, I'm just here on a podcast, just doing my thing. So I don't have to live here. I don't have to deal with the relationship stuff that this might bring up. But I am very adamant about this. This is not okay. So what about as far as the the audio goes? I mean, I, I can totally go to bat for putting the TV in the corner. Yeah. What about one visually how might we conceal those speakers? Because I think once we go that route, then the speakers are going to be, you know, ideally they'll be, they'll be flanking the TV in some way. So one's going to be on the left, one's going to be on the right. And if we put anything on the right, that's going to be near or around the fireplace. So when you're looking down those stairs, you're going to, that speaker's going to be right in your face. Well, actually you kind of enter a room on a diagonal. So As you come down the stairs, you're right. The speakers in the fireplace are directly in line with the stairs. That's right. But people don't come down like a robot and walk straight. They come down and walk on a diagonal and kind of open up into the space. You know, there's no hallway here that constricts where you could walk. So people don't walk in that straight line. So that's not actually the first thing you see. The first thing you see is always on the diagonal. So it'll be the sofa. That's right. And it will be the center of the sofa rather than the back of the sofa that we're looking at now. So, you know, it's really asking ourselves, what's the lesser of two evils? And putting the TV and the speakers in the corner is going to allow for a much better visual when you walk in the room, a much better visual when you're sitting on the couch and can now enjoy the fireplace, a much better just experience in terms of expanding this room to the amazing size that it is. So that was a little bit of a Betsy Smackdown, but I do feel pretty adamant about that. No, I feel good about that. And I I can't say I disagree with any of what you said. So about the, you know, kind of the functional use of the space, how far back would be kind of an ideal distance from that wall um, should the sofa be set so that the edge of the sofa of that chaise and those, you know, those corners, how far away from the the, the fireplace area should it be from well, that wall? Well, that's hard for me to say because I'm just looking at some pictures. Yeah. You know, I don't have a floor plan or anything like that. So I have to kind of give this general advice. But looking at this just generally, I could see that, you know, I don't need the sofa to be fully behind the set of windows. So for those of you who are listening, there's windows on this back wall. And I don't mind that the sofa back might be halfway. You see the start of that first small window. Mm -hmm. I would kind of maybe put the back there roughly. But like I said, I'm eyeballing this. It's really hard for me to tell exactly. 
But the key takeaway here, Roseanne, is that you've got to listen to me and have your husband <laughs> listen to this podcast. Oh, um, I will. See, guys, this is why you should write in and ask for your own podcast episode because you get this third-party advice that then you can play back for your significant other. But you had also mentioned that you were having trouble deciding on a coffee table here. Is that still an issue? It is, and largely because we don't really know. And I thought – I, I, I got your book, right? I read your book and I, I got the idea that. about, you know, a, a circular uh, coffee table. And I love that the circle with the play in the square and we have so many, you know, the room itself is square. So it needs a little bit of softness, right? Every, all these hard angles everywhere. Right. But, you know, we didn't, we weren't quite sure. I haven't seen one that is circular. Well, that actually, was, that is the wrong thing for you. Oh, okay. Well, tell so me more. I tell me more. Your sectional is very large. It mm -hmm. is much larger than the average sectional. So it's really going to look unusual to have a circle there because it won't service the people on the long arm. You know, that must be at least 140 inches long, that long arm. I'm going to say think, it's between 140 and 160. I think it's one, it's either 122 or 144. It's 144. I have okay. a 113. This is like, this would eat it alive. This would eat my 113 for breakfast. It's big. It is it, big. We got great. that corner wedge. It was the corner wedge. But that I love it. a big sectional in a big room. And I love a big sectional with a loungy tall family. So I am not knocking the sectional if it's proportional to the room. What I am knocking is the idea of a circle for this sectional because it won't service the person sitting on the long arm. It will only service the people sitting in that wedge corner. So I think you need a rectilinear coffee table, perhaps one with edges that are rounded, more like an oval. I could see working really nicely. They have really amazing ovals at Pottery Barn, at Wayfair, at Home Decorators. Or you could get a rectilinear coffee table that has perhaps rounded edges. You know, in okay. case five and seven is still a little bit little. I know I might hit my shins and I'm not even a little bit little. And the other thing is this room is pretty wood heavy. You know, there's a lot of wood floor exposed. There's a lot of wood in terms of the bookcases and the fireplace around appears to be wood. So there is no fireplace around just oh. yet. Oh, there I'm is, seeing it's, some wood. It's granite. You're seeing actual two by fours oh. that my father, builder, master craftsman that he is has been on the back burner. As I said, blank slate. They were waiting for me to come in and tell them what the design was. And we actually worked that out this Easter weekend. So oh, good. we have okay. a plan. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, the thing is what I'm kind of wanting to do here is put in some glass, but I don't think the coffee table is the place to do it. You know, mm -hmm. with young children, with wanting to maybe put your feet up. I think we have to stick with something that's not glass. Um, but that element is sort of missing here. The other element that feels like it's missing in this room, because I'm sure, you know, after reading my book and listening to all my podcasts, you know that I want to incorporate some new elements. You know, you want to have glass, metal, wood, fabric, acrylic, maybe, even though that doesn't appear to match the style of the house nor your personal style. But you just want to add different textures so that it doesn't look like you shopped at the wood store, right? And right now it's looking a little bit wood story for me. So I want to maybe incorporate something new. I guess an upholstered ottoman with a tray wouldn't meet your needs, right? It could. The hard part is finding one that 
was it too plush or too big? You know, we have, we have a lot of stuff and um, any surface quickly gets cluttered unless I'm right there on top of it. And Mm so, you know, I really wanted something that was going to be able to hold the remote controls. If we can put some of the kids stuff, you know, I mean, we have puzzles right now in a corner, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, something that we can use that'll do double duty storage to conceal all of the assorted junk that accumulates with a family with young kids. Right. And also something that we can put our feet on, you know, we thought, okay, a poster, but again, when we went to furniture stores, we just didn't see anything that appealed to us. Mm -hmm. And we thought, okay, you know, we have this gray microfiber couch. If we went upholstered, what would we be looking at? Right. And I typically do. So I'm actually facing the same dilemma. We just bought a new sectional because our sectional got recalled by West Elm. So we bought a new sectional and it's much bigger than the other one. And so we're facing the same dilemma. What works for my family? Because we store our board games in there. We store our books that we read when we're on the couch in this particular room is that we're going to get a storage ottoman that has a lift top. Uh, We're going to get it in a color because my couch is also a dark sort of graphite charcoal color. And it's also very long, so I can't do a circle anymore. I have to get rid of my circle and do a rectangle. But then the the trouble becomes where to put the cocktail. You know, if you've got kids and you're playing board games, you're going to need a cocktail. I've played Sorry about 6,000 times, never without wine. Then what we do is we put a tray on top of the ottoman, which works for adults but does not work for children. So I just want to make sure you have a surface for that snack, you know, but we're doing the upholstered leather, and by leather, I mean pleather, ottoman that's in a color that's rectilinear with a hinge top, because I actually had an ottoman that had a loose top before, and my kids would throw off that top, you know, to get to their favorite game, and it would never find its way back on until I cleaned the room at the end of the day. So I think the hinge top is going to be a game changer. But do you think something like that could work for you? Um, it could. You know, we have the our original sofa set that we when we first got married, we had was uh, like oxblood maroon leather. And we have the, the three-seater chair. We had an armchair and the ottoman. And so that, if you saw in the photo, that ottoman is still there. And it's, you know, it's only as big enough. It's, you know, this furniture was smaller scale because we had a small apartment. Right. It's a um, very small ottoman compared to your... Yes. Gorilla yes. sectional. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And so, you know, it works. It's fine to put our feet up. It's not quite at the same level. So it's questionable even if it works there. But, you know, if we have a tray, we will put a tray there. Do you uh, know really what I only- just noticed? I hate to cut you off, but I just noticed there's a chaise on one arm. There is. We have a chaise on the right I side. I just saw a picture that captured a different view. You need a circle. Let's just shut this down right now. You need a circle. Okay. I might do a mix of wood and metal, or you could do a circle that has a storage lift top, but it would be upholstered. But sorry, I just saw that. And I love the idea of, you know, if you wanted to keep this rug, even though I'm feeling like it should be a little bit larger or the placement should be different. So it really, once you move the sectional, you'll find you need to cover more room with the rug because the the room will essentially get larger. But I'm thinking you could either play with a color in the rug or do a cream or, like I said, a wood mixed with metal. Okay. But I would go back to that round because of the chase, because it does really shorten the amount of space in there. And I did not see that. And you for sure have a 144 because or plus. Yes, 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 yes. (gasps) So anyway, let's take a commercial break. This sectional has worn me out. And we'll be right back with even more of Roseanne's Room Dilemmas. 
Have you always wanted to work with an interior designer, but just weren't sure you could afford it? Also, you weren't sure how to go about it. Well, you can work with affordable interior design. Whether you're in the New York area or in Australia, we can help you with your design dilemmas with our all new virtual transformation package. This package is a two hour experience with one of our pros. You will get an entire room transformed. All you have to do is send in pictures and measurements of the space you'd like to work on. Then our designer spends the first hour on the phone with you determining the perfect layout for that room. The second hour is spent online shopping together. Virtually, you will be scouring the internet looking for those perfect items that will give you that designer look and all the pieces we find for you will fit within your budget. At the end of the call, you get a computerized floor plan and you get that click and buy shopping list so that you can go out and decorate your space with confidence. That total package is $3.95. Don't wait. Write us today at info at affordableinteriordesign.com to sign up for your transformation. Check out more information at affordableinteriordesign.com and we can't wait to work with you. So we are back with Roseanne listening to more design dilemmas from Massachusetts. So tell me, what is the next obstacle you're facing? Let's go back to that great room and those windows, right? What do I do for window treatments? When we were trying to figure out where to put the TV, we thought, okay, what can we put up there that's going to soften some of the glare? But because we're up on the hill, we get, Mm -hmm. you know, we're Southern exposure. Mm. That sun streaming in for basically seven months of the year, it's really, really bright. And so it it hit that spot on that opposite wall completely so that the Mm -hmm. TV was just completely unusable unless it was really, really kind of tucked down. It had to be much lower than viewing angle, like on the floor Mm -hmm. for it not to be hit. So what do we do for window treatments? And then the other dilemma is that half round. Yeah. Those, the smaller windows, that set of four, are actually lower. They're slightly smaller than the three tall windows on the on the uh, adjacent wall. Yeah, and but yet that half round is higher. Right? Yeah, so it's it doesn't the way that those windows went in. It seems a little bit awkward to me. So there is no um, there isn't something that's readily apparent or an easy solution. Totally. Um, to 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 solve like the window treatment dilemma. So that's why the windows are naked. Yes. Well, let's let's put some clothes on these poor shivering windows, cold and alone. And yes, they do not match up. But a lot of people have different shapes and sizes of windows in the same room. And we can still fix that problem. And not only will it help to add a splash of color and softness to this room that's filled with wood and feels a little cold right now just because it's got so much space, but also it will draw attention to your beautifully high ceilings. I love drapes as a tool to draw attention to assets like height. So what you would do on the standard size windows, there's three standard size windows that are larger than normal, but you're going to still hang that rod up above the window frame and outside the window frame. And you want to make sure that the drapes touch the floor. So that's how you're going to treat the three windows on the left. You're going to do a rod on each window, three rods. You're going to do two panels on each window, and you're going to make sure that those panels will brush the floor and be higher than 
the window and that the brackets are mounted outside the window. Now let's okay. move to this half round situation. This is a large window in the center and there's a half round on top. And this large window with the half round is flanked by two smaller windows. This is a common problem that you see in a lot of homes, especially in the suburbs. I'm located in the suburbs and we see these half rounds quite a bit and they're annoying to treat. One way that you could potentially treat it, even though this is not what I'm recommending for you, uh, is you could do a rod at the top that goes straight across that's higher than the peak of that round and then have two panels coming down either side. That would be how you would treat it if this was a master bedroom and you needed the darkness and the privacy. That is not how we're going to treat it here because your windows are so high and your ceilings are so high that that will actually start to look a little freakish. So what I'd rather you do in this particular situation is do one long rod that encompasses all three windows, those two windows on the side and then that central window. But it would have four brackets, so work with me here. You'd have one bracket outside the small window, one bracket in between the small window and the domed window, let's call it. Then another bracket in between the domed window and the small window on the right, and then another bracket on the far right. Then you would need six panels. So you're doing two panels on the outside and then two panels on the inside. Got it? So two panels on the outside. So would they meet then in the middle, in the middle of that half dome? Yes, and there would be two panels that would meet in the middle, one okay. on either side of that bracket I was talking about. Okay. Remember that bracket that's going in between the dome and the small one? Well, yes. there would be a panel on either side. Okay. So that takes care of four panels, and then the other two panels are going on the far edges. So basically, you're just treating the bottom and ignoring the dome, almost as if all those windows were just together domeless. Now, again, in each situation with the dome, it is a little bit different. But if you were to have a high rod on that dome with drapes, I think it would look crazy. I mean, I'm just eyeballing it again. But I think that's a good 12 feet from the top of the dome to the floor. Maybe it's more like 10. No, it must be 12. The the ceilings are 15 feet. Mm -hmm. And that's above the windows on the side or at the very peak. Because it's actually an angled room as well. It is. It's at the. It's in the center. So where, mm-hmm. um, you know, at the very, the, the tallest point in the room, and that that half dome is pretty much in the center. Yeah. So maybe um, it's like eleven feet, something like that. Yeah. So I just think it would be really crazy, and of course you'd have to do super custom drapes to get anything that long. And it's not a formal room. So personally, that's not how I would do it. But there are two ways to skin this particular cat, neither of which are to leave it naked. So let's get to your next question. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Betsy. I think the next question I have is backing up those stairs into the kitchen. So the kitchen and the dining room, the eating area in the kitchen, are they, they attach. We have French doors that open into the dining room. And so when you're sitting at the kitchen table, you're actually looking at the dining room and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So we have a chandelier in the dining room that is kind of late nineties, early 2000, mm-hmm. um, brown metal. It's, it's an attractive chandelier. Um, but we don't have anything, what we have, we don't have anything in the kitchen space. Mm-hmm. And part of the challenge is because, because those two rooms are so close together that one really influences the other. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't been able to find anything that either coordinates 
with that dining room light or find another lighting solution that works in both spaces. So we have basically just a bare floodlight above our kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at that now. So one thing that's bothering me in the dining room is that that chandelier does not appear to be centered over the table. Am I right? Uh, I mean, it is actually, it's centered in the room. The The table, it is centered under the table when the table's not extended. And when I took those photos, oh, it was just okay. after having some guests. And so in that moment, the table was not centered because it was pulled out to its full extension. But when it's not, and it's just, it's, oh, you know, perfect. 42 by 60, it is centered. Wonderful, because the takeaway mm-hmm. is that that table should be centered under the chandelier, and then we can go from there. Okay, whew, close call. I couldn't focus until I knew that answer. So in terms of the whether you should change the chandelier out or not, I'm on the fence. You know, if you're happy with it, it does look a little bit dated, and chandeliers aren't the most expensive thing anymore. Plus, it looks like this is right off the entryway, if I'm correct. Yes, it is. So it really would have a lot of wow factor and impact. That being said, you know, I don't think it's super problematic either. So it's totally up to you. But if you're going to base your kitchen decision off of this, I would want you to first search your soul and make sure that you like this one enough to let it impact your other choices. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I don't love it. It's it's okay. It, I, just as you said, it feels dated. Um, you know, it's it's from the time period of when the house was built, and they liked it. But then, for whatever reason, either the one that matched the kitchen had arrived damaged, so it was never installed. So it was just left as a blank slate. And so, you know, now we have just nothing there. And then finding a light fixture. So if we were to if we were to just get rid of it entirely. I have my dining room set and that kind of segues into the next question. It's my, I inherited it. It's my grandmother's dining set. We didn't uh, travel with it. it. I inherited it just in the last year or so. So I never really had a chance to pick out a dining room set. And I, you know, I got it because, Hey, I need one. I have mm-hmm. an empty dining room in this great big house. And it's not in the budget to buy, you know, what I really wanted, which would be like a $15,000 set from our house. Hello. So, you know, but to, to, I like it enough and it works in the space as it is now, but that said, it's kind of antique. It's a mahogany Duncan Fife. Um, how do I modernize it a little bit? I recovered the chairs. Would a light fixture modernize it? How can I find something to bridge that gap between what's old and what's new? Well, you know, the light fixture is going to be considered separate from the table and chairs in terms of updating it because I don't want your light fixture and your table and chairs to look incongruous, right? So they really have to work together rather than one trying to modernize the other. That being said, my number one answer for modernizing this table, you don't have sentimental attachments to it. It's just really logistical. It's just really logistical. I really don't. I mean, the tabletop itself is not in perfect shape. Mm -hmm. Um, The chairs and the buffet and the china closet, those, I need those. Yeah. I could get another table, but, you know, the question is, have I found anything that I love enough to either go into debt or, you know, dump a load of cash on it right now? No, I haven't. Right. And this is all a set, the hutch, the Mm -hmm. sideboard, the table, the chairs, correct? Yes. Okay. So you know how I feel about sets anyway, right? Is that it's an oppressive amount of the same texture in one space. That being said, you've already got it. You're really maxing it out. So something that will help offset all this mahogany wood is to bring in some new textures with like an amazing mirror behind the sideboard to really add some glass to this room and break up all this wood to add some color 
And one thing that I think would be a huge help, even though I hate to say this after you just recovered these chairs, is new chairs. You know, they are really the thing that's the most visible, mm -hmm. the most prominent and the easiest thing to change out. They're also the most affordable thing to change out. An extension table is more expensive potentially than chairs. So I would have looked at the chairs as a potential solution or maybe even adding a different tone of paint. What you know, I, I, my, my walls are all Benjamin Moore linen white. So that's yes. definitely on the so table. I it's on my see, list of things to do. You know, whenever you have a chair rail in any room, it calls to me. It says, do something different above than you do below. And that's what this room is kind of saying to me, even though that I realize that there's this one section that's not continuous over by the entryway, this little one inch piece that. Yes. It breaks before the wall does. So the line isn't as crisp and obvious. That being said, I think some color could help offset this neutral palette as well because everything is so brown and cream and beige that it's also helping to make it feel a little bit old and not so fresh. So I don't know if that's a sage color that I'm seeing in that rug. But it is. The colors in the rug are, and even the rug, I'm not married to it. I bought it at Costco. I bought it to to put in another space and it worked there. It was, you know, in a kind of up in the attic. The attic is finished. So I had it in like a craft space because we needed something soft to stand on. But when we had a dining room, I said, all right, we need something underneath the table because it was just too much wood. It, it worked there. So the well, colors the are still really works for me when you remove that leaf, you know, with the leaf in it's too small. Yeah, But when you remove the leaf, I think the size is ideal. From the pictures, it appears to be in pretty good condition. So I'd take one actual color from that rug and paint it below the chair rail. I'd get a mirror above that sideboard that's rather simplistic and definitely not ornate. I don't want it to play into this traditional carved wood kind of opulent look. I would definitely consider getting a chandelier that potentially has some glass or even a fabric shade to make it either more contemporary or to bring in a different texture. Right now, it's just so dark and foreboding, and there are so many dark things in this room already that I'm just not feeling the idea of keeping it and then having it influence the one in the kitchen. Okay. So I think it's problematic. I say let's keep the chairs, keep the buffet, keep the sideboard, keep the hutch, but paint the chair rail get the modern mirror and do a little splurge on a chandelier. And when you're hanging this new chandelier, make sure that from the top of the table to the bottom of the chandelier, it's 29 to 32 inches. This one is just a touch too high. It's also just a touch too tall for this base. So we're not really getting any chain. You know, it looks like the chain was somewhat truncated, but it's just such a big fixture that you couldn't have much more chain without it touching the table. So that would be my recommendation as well. Okay. Something maybe like no more than 22 inches high, no more than 20 inches wide. That's a nice standard above a standard dining table, which this would be with that leaf removed. Okay. And then you'll just pick out a little sister for it for the kitchen. It doesn't have to match, but something that coordinates nicely and that feels less luxurious. You had sent me one um, mm -hmm. from Home Depot that incorporated a shade and crystals, but I felt like the crystals felt too ornate compared to what was happening in the rest of the space. It almost felt like the formal elements were in the kitchen and the other rooms didn't have that formality. So since there's so few crystals and moments like that in the other rooms, I think it feels out of touch. 
But maybe if more of that was incorporated, I would like it better. So one thing, I think that one, the original one, it had it had the, the bigger chandelier, which was the link that I included. And then it did have like a semi-flush mount as opposed to the chandelier that was a little bit smaller in stature um, and didn't have a, maybe it had like one central, one center crystal that dropped. Yeah, but you don't have any place for a semi-flush. Semi-flush does not belong above the kitchen table because mm, okay. there's an obvious place for a nice pendant. It's actually a very big Eden kitchen. Mm-hmm. And you don't need a semi-flush in a formal dining room. So, I mean, unless you had an entryway that was in need, I think we could maybe just look for a new fixture altogether. But this might have to be, um, you know, for another episode, Roseanne, because we have spent <laughs> a lot of delicious time and I think we've come up with some good answers. There has been a little bit of a smackdown, but hopefully your husband can take it. We shall see. The male <laughs> ego is quite sensitive. <laughs> oh, don't I know it. Don't I know it. Well, I would love for you to keep us posted. Let us know what happens right in. I can't wait to share with all of our listeners. If you do actually move the sectional, if you do actually change out the chandelier, we are on the edge of our seats. I'm going to try it. Even if it's just to play, we will try it. There we it. go. That's Nothing exactly is- what I always say. Try it before you buy it. You can always move it back. That's right. Wonderful. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for turning your whole family on to this podcast. I'm so glad to have so many of your family members being big fans. Well, thank you so much, Betsy. I really appreciate your time and your consideration and just just sharing this, this, great, this uh, great session with me. I really appreciate it. Of course. A big thank you to our amazing producer, Catherine Heller, to Aton and the MBCR House Band, and to Affordable Interior Design, the sponsor of this podcast and the premier place to get an amazing look on a budget. Check out affordableinteriordesign.com. If you guys love the show, the very best way to support us is by spreading the word. Tell your friends or write us an awesome review on iTunes. Even better, become a premium member. Yes, you can become a premium member of Big Design Small Budgets podcast by going to bigdesignsmallbudget.com. Not only do premium members get access to our archives of over 100 episodes, you also get our bonus episodes, which give you a sneak peek into my world as an interior designer. Every week, I share a new vignette, a new anecdote, new tips, all in that bonus series. You won't want to miss it. To become a premium member, go to bigdesignsmallbudget.com. It's $3.99 per month or $39.99 for a year's membership, and you're going to love it. I guarantee it. So until next week, guys, thanks so much for joining us, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.